What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Red Zone Radio. I'm Robert Wampler. It is great to be here. Great to have you. Just a reminder, you can listen to Red Zone Radio on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere that you get your podcast. All right, so there's a lot to get to. NBA playoffs, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones. But I want to start off with Aaron Rodgers because he, he had an interview a couple of days ago, and now he doesn't show up to OTAs. Receivers don't show up to OTAs. And I find it interesting because nobody's budging, right? The Packers aren't budging. Aaron Rodgers isn't budging. Nobody's budging. And what is going to happen with this whole scenario? Well, I I think the Packers have a plan in place that nobody is thinking about. And, and, and whenever it gets brought up, people say, oh, well, Jordan Love, he can't play. And I don't think that's true. Now. If it was true, let's just suppose for a second, Jordan Love can't play, and, and and people are right about that. If that was the case, then a respectable, functional, top-tier franchise and the Green Bay Packers, they just purposefully, knowingly, willfully walked into a buzzsaw with the Aaron Rodgers situation. The out for Green Bay is clear if they don't want to if they don't want to go back to Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers is upset with them, and Green Bay doesn't want to go back to him, they don't want to show him they they don't want to, I guess, coddle him. Then the out is clear. It would be Jordan Love, and people say, well, it's clear that he can't play because a if he could play, the Packers won't be acting that way. They wouldn't keep on saying. They want to keep on saying, well, he's a long way off. Could it be this? The Packers don't want to over-promise on a quarterback that they traded up to replace what many people think is the most talented quarterback to ever play a position, Aaron Rodgers. And let's let him play week one and show everybody why we drafted him. And I think it's very reasonable, and I think that is the case. It would be different if we were talking about a dysfunctional franchise here, but we're not. We're talking about Green Bay, who was relevant before Aaron Rodgers, and my bet they will be relevant after Aaron Rodgers. I'm not trying to say Aaron Rodgers is replaceable, and I'm not trying to say that Jordan Love is going to easily replace Aaron Rodgers. But I think they're trying to kind of underpromise you. They're kind of trying to convince you Jordan Love is not this great player because they know... A, we're probably not going to get Aaron back. B, we're going to get a lot of draft capital. We're going to get a lot of assets for Aaron Rodgers. And C, he's going to go out there week one, and he's going to be a lot better than people are thinking he's going to be. It doesn't look as bad when Jordan Love can kind of play, and you underpromised on him. Then it's like, okay, he can play. I, I-, I wouldn't have given up Aaron Rodgers, but I can see why they would have done that. I can see why they would have done that. because uh, We're not talking about... New York here. We're not talking about the Jets. We're not talking about the Jaguars or the Browns. This is the Packers. And I honestly don't think that a organization as respected and loved and as functional as they are would willingly go in this situation knowing we got no other quarterback options. I don't think they're going without a backup plan, but if I had to bet what their backup plan was today... It's Jordan Love. I think that is their plan outside Aaron Rodgers. All right, so Julio Jones, 
he is apparently said quote I am out of here on uh on disputed he said that uh, on the air and uh look the thing with Julio Jones is I I think if you're if you're someone like the Falcons you you just got Kyle Pitts in the draft you're not going to be paying him anything for a while because you just got him in the draft you need some defensive pieces and you're in your and you need some help salary cap wise Julio Jones is a phenomenal talent but uh, let's see what we can do without him. Matt Ryan still has a couple good years left in him. And, and I don't, I'm don't. i not crazy about giving up Julio Jones. But this is what I say about all receivers and running backs. Even if you have Saquon Barkley, even if you have Julio Jones, you can get 80% of them in a first or second round next year. I understand that's not Julio Jones. You're not just going to find a Julio Jones, but you can find a phenomenal uh, talent at the receiver position uh, paying him a lot less than you were paying Julio Jones. There's a reason why we rarely see big contracts with running backs and receivers and corners, and it's because of the fact that you can get 80 per, even the top tier uh, of the, of those positions, you can get 80% of those guys in the second to third round. And I know and I know it's not necessarily right, but that's just the way it is. You're not going to find 80% of Chase Young uh, he's just in any given draft. You're going to find 80% of Julio Jones just about any given draft. You're not going to find 80% of a Patrick Mahomes in any given draft. You're going to find 8% of a Saquon Barkley in any given draft. And I know and I know that's not necessarily a way to do business, but if you're looking at it from a salary cap standpoint, let's see what we can do without Julio. Uh, we got Matt Ryan, Kyle Pitts, who was a big target down the middle, and we got to pay him anything. As for Julio Jones, I think a couple teams, a team that I think really fits Julio Jones well, and I think they actually have the assets to give up uh, some pieces for Julio Jones and actually have some salary cap space is the Patriots. So first of all, th- apparently he's one of the teams on Julio Jones' radar. They have a bunch of salary cap space. Julian Edelman just retired. Uh, you got Cam Newton coming back in his second year. Help him out and or help out a young quarterback in Mac Jones. Give Cam Newton another weapon. Give that offense, make it more dynamic with Bill Belichick as coaching. I honestly think that would fit Julio really well. Uh, get a good coach, get a quarterback that's capable, uh, have a good offense, good defense. I, I think that team with Julio Jones is very dangerous. Don't forget they picked up Nelson Aguilar in the offseason. They had some speed, and they picked up a couple of other, other weapons as well. All right, so we got some NBA playoffs going on, a bunch of interesting series going on. Um, I talked about Portland last time. I said, look, I think they're ready to go on a run right now. That series is tied up 1-1, um, but I do think Portland's – uh, suited up or to go on a run. And, and Charles Barkley said something interesting. He said, Portland frustrates him. When I was watching him the other day, he said, Portland frustrates him because they have, in his opinion, the best backcourt in the NBA. They got all sorts of talent. And they just, they constantly find themselves in this position. I talked about that the other day as well. I said, look, Portland is a bad regular season team, but the talent gap between them and the best team has never been huge. Um, and, and and it always fascinated me. But I think when you're looking at Portland, they are someone like a Georgia in college football or someone like a Michigan where occasionally they'll beat the Giants. They'll beat the big they'll beat the big schools, Alabama, you know, Clemson. But for whatever reason, it, it feels like they have the coach, it feels like they have the players, but for whatever reason, they just cannot beat those guys and they just cannot get to tier one. And that's how it is with the Portland Trailblazers. They constantly find themselves playing in the bottom, playing as a bottom seed, and they and they have the talent, but they, they feel like they have the coach. They just cannot get there. 
And I, I think if you're Damian Lillard, I, I think you are going to have to start considering, at least if I was him, I would start considering uh, pretty soon possibly requesting a trade. Because you only have so many good years in the NBA. And I used to, listen, I'm all about loyalty. And Damian Lillard is about loyalty. And I, I'm not one of these people, like, I, I've defended the Packers more than I think anybody else has in the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. But if you're Damian Lillard, and, and the NBA is a little different, but if you're Damian Lillard, you have to be looking at some of the other teams. Listen, I got to go up against LeBron and Anthony Davis to even get to, to even get to, the NBA Finals, if I even am lucky enough to get to the NBA Finals, I got to face Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Blake Griffin. If we would if we would assemble that team five years ago, they would be considered, I mean, that would be a cheat. Now it's almost normal. We have all these super teams uh, that are aspiring the NBA, and obviously it's kind of starting to happen in the NFL, but you can still win. I, I believe you can still win without necessarily aspiring a, a quote-unquote super team in the NFL, but if we're talking about from an NBA standpoint, I think that Damon Lillard uh, is thinking to himself, man, I got CJ McCollum, but there's not a team in the West that I have to go through in the NBA playoffs. There's not a team that I have to go through that does not that that has a bunch of holes in our game. Next year, Steph Curry's going to be back with Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. And LeBron's going to be back with Anthony Davis. And Kevin Durant and Kyrie and James Harden are most likely going to be back. And these teams are only going to acquire pieces and pieces and pieces. And Dame Lord just has nobody outside of Shizu McCollum. They got talent. They are a talented team. Like I said, they're in Georgia. But they just cannot get to that next stage. And I think if Damian Lillard wants to start considering seriously winning an NBA championship in his career. By the way, I, I still hold by what I said. I think they're still set up to go on a run here. But it, it, I think if he wants to start considering seriously winning an NBA championship in his career, he's going to have to consider possibly a trade request or start becoming a little more demanding of the front office. Because he is really carrying that team right now. All right, so I kind of want to talk about the LeBron and Michael Jordan debate, and it's interesting because I'm going to quote Sarge Barkley again. He's a guy who played at the time of Michael Jordan, and he's a guy who is from that era more of Michael Jordan than of LeBron. And he came out the other day. He was uh, making an appearance on ESPN on Get Up, I believe, and he said, we are going to have to start, if LeBron wins the title this year, we're going to have to start having a real conversation about the GOAT. And it's interesting that he would say that because you know he would always say, Michael Jordan, you know he was in that camp. That that was his error. But now that he's coming out saying it, I think there's some legitimacy to this. And I've always, I, I've been a believer that LeBron is the greatest player ever as far as if you want one person to be on the court, prime Michael or prime LeBron, I would choose prime LeBron. Now, it, it, I, I do think, though, accomplishments should matter when you're grading as you say, GOAT status. So, when we're talking about this, the the big argument always has been, well, I mean, Michael Jordan has six championships, and LeBron has been to so many finals, and he's lost. But if LeBron wins this year, which, by the way, if they get out of that first series, I think there's a good chance they do win this year, as, as long as Anthony Davis keeps this up. We're talking about a, a, a guy that has now five championships, all of a sudden, that, that those six championships of of Michael Jordan, it does not look as big of a number up to up to LeBron. I mean, five to six. I don't think LeBron's going to get six. 
I think if he wants to win a championship, it has to be this year. This may be his last opportunity at one because you are starting to see a little bit of signs of fatigue and signs of him getting older. But I do believe if he wins this year and he gets that five and he gets that fifth championship, that's five. That gap is no longer there. That big argument that has always been, well, Michael Jordan has the sixth championship. All of a sudden, that argument doesn't look so great compared to all the other statistics that you can throw up. Points, assists, rebounds, whatever. It doesn't look as great. And if you're comparing them as far as stats go, even outside of championships, which, by the way, that gap will be closed significantly, like I just said, if LeBron wins this year, that argument is extremely tight, and I think you can go either way. In my opinion, it's LeBron. All right, and uh, lastly, I just want to talk about Kawhi Leonard because right now they're currently down 0-2. That series appears to be over. Obviously, he's going back to Dallas now. Uh, if Dallas wins the next game, I, we're not going to see a 3 will come back from the Clippers. I, I just don't think it's possible. But the past couple years, there's been, there's been this argument out there, which is Kawhi Leonard is talented. He's the best player in the NBA. And I love Kawhi, and I, I and you know the one thing I liked about Kawhi is I, not necessarily his quietness, but the way he doesn't really trash talk. It, it's kind of refreshing to see. Not that I, it doesn't bother me if people trash talk, but it, it's just refreshing to see someone of that, uh, that talent, uh, at his peak, how good he is, not really trash talk. But the thing with Kawhi is, he's so quiet, and people refer to him as a quiet leader. And I'm not saying you have to be a leader, but let me ask you, what is the biggest problem that Kawhi brings to the table? It's not his play on the court, maybe a little bit of defense, but it's not really his play on the court. What many people view as good, including me, most of the time is how quiet he is and how he doesn't talk trash. However, that also contributes to the baggage that Kawhi brings sometimes, which is He's not a leader, and he's so quiet that it almost makes it a liability for him. It almost makes it a problem for the Clippers because they're investing all this money in him. When you invest money in these players, LeBron, I, I will include Russell Westbrook, I'll include Damian Lillard, some of these big-time names that are handling all this talent, Steph Curry, you're also investing in them to be a leader of some sorts. And Kawhi really hasn't been that. He's been a phenomenal talent, one of the best in the NBA. But he hasn't been a great leader. And when you get in these situations, down 0-2, bad late, new head coaches all the time, when they just fired Doc Rivers, playing with people like Paul George who will struggle sometimes in the postseason, you have to step up and be a leader. And right now, the Clippers just don't have that in coaching on the floor, or in Kawhi Leonard. And I love Kawhi Leonard, but I think that is probably, you know, that's the biggest problem he brings to the table. And and I, I'm not saying he has to bring that to the table, but if he wants to be regarded, in my opinion, if he wants to be regarded in the, in the same breath as people like LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe, he has a talent to be, but he doesn't have the leadership or the personality, if you will, to be one. All right, well, that is going to wrap it up for Red Zone Radio. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Have a great day. Enjoy the NBA playoffs. Enjoy some of this postseason uh, NFL news that's going on. I will be back next time to recap some more NBA playoffs. Maybe some NFL news will have, will have happened by then. Um, but I will see you next time on Red Zone Radio. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, and have a great day.